Welcome to This Sustainable Life Untethered, the place where we explore mind, body and nature and the things that hold you back from enjoying them. I am your host and adventure partner, Alison, and I'm so excited to go and explore with you. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the podcast. This week, we have a solo episode avec moi, and it's all about the carbon footprint of food. Uh, But before we dive in and explore and learn all about the carbon footprint of food, I just thought I'd do a bit of a a personal check-in. It's been about a month since I released a previous podcast episode. Doesn't time fly? Oh my gosh, time flies. Um, And so I just wanted to apologize for being a little bit AWOL. It's been, uh, well, for those of you who don't know, I work in healthcare. And if you don't don't know, we've been in a pandemic. And it's been pretty tough on the old healthcare staff. Um, I have a nine to five job and working with a lot of uh, things that have gone wrong due to COVID and otherwise and yeah, whatever. So I've actually found that um, I was starting to feel a little bit on the burned outside uh, for the first time. Normally I'm quite able to kind of be stressed and handle it and manage it and keep positive. But last month, was the culmination of what I would call a slow burn, a slow burn to burnout. <laughs> and I'd love to get a guest on the podcast to to talk a bit more about burnout because um, I think that would be fascinating. But I suppose, you know, one of the things that, the ways that it manifested for me is needing a lot of rest and downtime just to recover. I basically felt like I went to work and then had like a work hangover for the next eight hours Um, And whereas before I would have been excited to sit down and work on the podcast or, you know, do some writing, I actually really struggled. And um, I guess I'm just admitting that to you to say that this is why I've been a bit quiet and I had to do something about it because I was starting to feel a bit stuck. So I've spoken to my manager And I think we've come up with a bit of a way forward, which is really nice. Also, um, in the uh, in England, where I am at the moment, kind of pubs and restaurants are starting to open up again, which is also really nice, adding to that kind of sense of normality. It's a bit more sunny, a bit warmer, means we can enjoy the outdoors a bit more. And just things are feeling a lot better than they were at the end of March, beginning of April. So so I'm sorry for being quiet. Uh, I want to say that I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm well, had a little break, and now I'm back and raring to go and um, keep exploring with you. And just to say as well, no matter what your lockdown experience is, it's okay to not have to put so much pressure on yourself to take some time for yourself to figure out what do you need to keep yourself healthy and well and what do you need to do differently or who do you need to speak to to help you do something differently um, if you're feeling kind of stuck uh, and on the road to burnout. So okay let's now talk about the carbon footprint of food. Right if you asked me a few weeks ago 
Alison, what do you know about the carbon footprint of food? I would say, hmm, good question. I haven't really thought about it before. Um, I know that I guess some foods produce more carbon, uh, like how, how they're made and how they're transported. Um, for example, if you fly foods in from overseas, then that's obviously got like quite a large carbon footprint. Um, and also cows do a lot of burping and farting. That contributes to the carbon footprint, does it? Or is that methane? I don't know. Um, yeah, but, and that would be really the extent of my knowledge. And I would say, unless people have done a lot of research and kind of looked into this off their own back, that would be the extent of most people's knowledge. And this is why TV is so great, because I would never pick up a book about the carbon footprint of food. I would never Google a, or YouTube video to learn about the carbon footprint of food. I, I don't know why, it just seemed kind of boring, dull. I mean, even the name of it, the carbon footprint, it just, you know, it's not, it doesn't sound interesting. But what I would do and what I did do is sit down and watched a one hour program with a bunch of comedians and celebrities competing to order the lowest carbon footprint meal from a restaurant menu. Of course, I'm all about the food. So you bring celebrities and food in. I'm absolutely going to be there. But the program was amazing because the celebrities as they were eating the food, they also learned about each of the ingredients and the carbon footprint. And it made it so entertaining and just, it made me want to learn more. It created a curiosity gap, whereas before I had no interest. And now I would think, okay, I would read a book about the carbon footprint of food. I would YouTube a video. I would, I am curious now. This you, You've given me an in, TV. Um, unfortunately, I don't think the program is available to watch anymore, but it was called BBC uh, Horizon Feast to Save the Planet. Um, and I had to have a look. So unless you can look at things illegally, don't do that. Um, then, yeah, sorry, I'll just I'll just tell you it was really good. And I'm sorry you missed out. But anyway, after watching the program, I did some research and what I learned is that the UK has set a target to be carbon neutral by 2050. Um, just to remind you, we are in 2021 now. So to be carbon neutral is a highly, highly ambitious target. And if you break it down, each person creates about three tons of carbon a year from the food and drink they eat not how they move around or go on holiday, just from the food and drink they eat three tons of carbon a year, which is around 8.2 kilos a day. A day, 8.2, that's a lot, right? That's a lot of carbon that I'm just going about my day producing 8.2 kilos of gas. I mean... <laughs> If I were to literally produce 8.2 kilos of gas, I would really feel it and know it and have to have the windows open all the time. Um, so that just blew my mind, firstly. And if you then translate it into tree territory, so what are the amount of trees that it would take in order to offset this carbon? 
um, because we all know that trees breathe in, respirate, whatever it's called, carbon dioxide and uh, expire oxygen. So that would break down to 196 trees a year for each person in order to offset their carbon footprint from food alone. 196 trees a year. That is phenomenal. We don't have the space, right? We just don't have the space in the UK, in the world. Trees would take over. They'd be absolute invaders. There'd be no rooms for houses anymore. We'd have to live in the trees and be in tree houses and realize every kid's dream if we had to offset carbon just by the food we eat, just by trees. So that gives you a scale of the target and the problem. So the program then went into loads of detail on the worst carbon offenders of food and the most virtuous carbon choices. And it was all backed up in science, of course. There was a professor, Mike Berners-Lee, who wrote the book about the carbon footprint of food, which I've not read, but I probably will. And uh, as the diners picked their menu from the choices that they had available, they calculated all the carbon footprint of each choice. And it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating, and so non-intuitive. So I guessed that anything from another country um, would be quite high, and that meat would probably be quite high too, with regards to the carbon footprint. But it all depends on how things are transported. If they are shipped or driven to the UK, then actually the carbon footprint of food can be quite low. For example, bananas shipped in from Latin America have the equivalent carbon footprint of broccoli grown in the UK. Yep, those bananas come from, I don't know, what's the country in Latin America? Argentina? I <laughs> couldn't think of a single country. I don't even know if that is, oh God, my geography. They've come from Argentina. They've been chopped down by the Argentinians and put on a ship. And that ship has traveled for weeks across the ocean to come to a port into the UK and probably driven from that port to Sainsbury's near you. And that carbon footprint of all that is the same as a broccoli grown in the UK in the ground that's just plucked and popped on a plate like poof, mind blown. Okay, so let's do a quick quiz, quick fun quiz. Guess from the following breakfast options, which of these foods has the lowest carbon footprint? The lowest. Is it A, a banana from Latin America? Is it B, a melon from Spain? Is it C, a bowl of porridge from Scotland? Or is it D, a toast and jam or honey from the UK? Make your choice now, A, B, C or D. And the answer is, dun, 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 dun. drum roll please, A, A. Yep, a banana from Latin America is the lowest carbon option than all of those choices. Bananas win. For the lowest carbon breakfast, you should eat a banana. They win over toast, jam, melon, and porridge. That, I would never have guessed that. Never have guessed that in a million years, never. Phenomenal, right? 
Who knew? Who knew? Similarly, avocados shipped in from faraway places have less of a carbon impact than some herbs that are grown in the UK and also weirdly mushrooms. It's so non-intuitive. Another thing, animal products, meat and milk-based products tend to have a higher carbon footprint than plant-based products. Yeah, you can think that because those animals are eating other foods from the ground that also have their own carbon, you know, input impact. And that all comes in and is, is kind of inefficient, I guess, with regards to food and carbon footprint. But this is not always the case because a chicken raised in the UK has a lower footprint than corn, mushrooms, or hot-housed tomatoes, uh, which is like where you grow tomatoes in a greenhouse, all of them grown in the UK. Yeah, so that starts to raise some interesting ethical questions when we talk about the impact of the foods that we eat on the planet. And here's another weird one for you. The chicken itself produces over double the carbon in its unborn offspring eggs than it does keeping itself alive. So in other words, eggs have a greater carbon footprint than the chicken itself. Like, what? I, I Yeah, this is all from Professor Mike Berners-Lee. He's a professor and he wrote the book and there's a lot of maths that he's all figured out. So it's legit. But when you compare eggs to the breakfast bed fellow bacon, then actually bacon is the lower carbon winner with regards to eggs and bacon, um, because bacon is about half the carbon of eggs. So another weird victory for meat eaters is completely bonkers. There is a general rule of thumb, though, which is that cheeses, red meats and anything flown in from another country flown are the worst carbon outlaws and UK beef tops the carbon charts and imported beef from deforested land is the highest of high of carbon footprint. So any meat that comes in from um, overseas, that's guaranteed to be the worst carbon footprint. And I think all of it is fascinating. I don't know if that's just me, if that's just me being weirdly interested by these facts, but it shows me exactly how little I know about the food that I put into my precious body and the impact that each of those choices have on the planet. And knowing that information and starting to become aware of it it will change my buying habits for sure. Like before I never looked to see where my food should come from. I would just be like, oh, I fancy some asparagus or mm, grapes are really nice. Let's have some grapes. But now if I see that those foods are flown in from another country, I just, I just won't buy it. I mean, probably not. I, I don't need asparagus from Peru that much in my life or grapes from South Africa. Like, I just don't. I can I can have an apple <laughs> or strawberries or whatever choice. Um, and it also has helped me to cut down on meat and be more mindful about animal products. 
I was I was already heading that way with regards to trying out a vegetarian challenge and enjoying the vegetarian options. But it's just another reason to think about the choices that you make and the impact that it has on the planet and that not just the planet, because a negative impact on the planet also then impacts us as people and other people, even if we don't always see that. But to be honest, for those plant products lower down in the carbon scale, I don't think it will change my behavior that much. Um, I won't be changing to give up my lovely porridge for bananas for breakfast. And I think it would be weirdly unsustainable to make a decision to look up every food, basically, if it's not, if it's plant-based uh, and decide, well, is this better than this one? And, you know, that that's not realistic. If they had that information on the packaging, different question. Um, but if it's all kind of on the lower scale within a certain range, then I'll probably just keep eating how I've been eating. It's so fascinating to me because it shows how non-intuitive the truth is. And it's really important, I think, when we do make changes to spend a bit of time learning and becoming aware about what what do we what is actually the case rather than what we think is the case and following people and learning from experts in this area not just you know your instagram influencer who actually doesn't know a great deal um if we really want to start making a positive difference then we have to have some knowledge and awareness and then decide what to do with that knowledge and awareness and it might be that even with that knowledge and awareness, we don't change our behavior at all. And that's okay. It's all a journey. Your journey will be different to my journey. And you can't force people basically to do what you want them to do or what you think is the right thing to do. But we can encourage people. We can give them the information, um, have the conversation about it. I think that's the most important thing. One of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast, just to have the conversation about it. Anyway, I'll put all the links for everything that I've mentioned in the show notes. So you can have a look and amuse and blow your own mind with regards to the carbon footprint of food. Um, I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Uh, please do like, subscribe, review, share the podcast if it's been helpful to you, if it's been interesting and come on over and say hello to me on social media. I am on Instagram at alison.untethered, Facebook at This Sustainable Life Untethered and Twitter, although I keep, do you know what, I'm so wordy, I struggle with Twitter, but I am on Twitter at Ali Untethered and I will try a bit harder to be a bit more present um yeah let me know are you what did you know about the carbon footprint of food before is there anything that surprised you is your mind just do you want to just lie down on a floor now with a book over your head thank you so much for listening and I will be back and um see you soon have a great rest of your day <laughs>